We'd like to welcome our listeners to the Bolus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bolus. The Bolus Company is Northern New England's largest commercial real estate services firm with offices in Portland, Maine and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We've been selling and leasing real estate in Maine and New Hampshire since 1975. This is a series providing insight into Maine's real estate movers and shakers. I'd like to introduce this week's guest, Joe Bolus. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. How you doing? Joe Bolus is the owner of Bolus Asset Management, which manages over 4 million square feet of real estate, mostly in the state of Maine. He is the founder of the Bolus Company, which is Northern New England's largest commercial real estate firm. Joe sold his interest to my partners and me in 2013. Over his career, Joe has developed and built more than 2.5 million square feet of commercial property, mostly in the greater Portland area. Prior to entering real estate, Joe served a tour of duty in Vietnam from 1968 to 1973 as a U.S. Marine Corps pilot. From 1973 to 1975, he was a commercial pilot in Laos, Africa, and South America. Joe attended Chevers High School and Colby College, where he was the chairman of the Board of Trustees for a number of years and remains a board member. Joe has been on numerous civic and corporate boards and is a founding member of Merida, which is the Maine Real Estate Developers Association. In 1988, he was named Developer of the Year by Merida and was inducted into the Maine Business Hall of Fame in 1997. The Patrick Henry Award was bestowed on Joe in 2006 by the National Association of the National Guard for his service to returning Maine veterans. He and his wife, Sherry, funded more than 310 college scholarships for Maine veterans. In 2008, he was named Colby College Philanthropist of the Year. And perhaps the most notable thing about Joe is that he is my much older brother. Welcome, Joe. Thank you, Greg. Great to be here. So, Joe, how does a jet and helicopter pilot flying in Vietnam and Africa end up selling and developing commercial real estate here in Portland? They don't seem to have much in common. And didn't your wife, Sherry, have something to do with that decision? Well, it's interesting because when I came back from my uh, last tour, that was actually a civilian tour in, uh, in Laos. Uh, I came back and I was, didn't have a job. I couldn't get hired by uh, the airlines because although I had some jet time, I had primarily helicopter time in Vietnam. So I uh, just kind of looked around and ultimately uh, was hired by the Spurlink agency in uh, Portland on Brighton Avenue. That was a real estate company. That was a residential real estate company. And uh, so I'll never forget because I just got married in 1975 at the same time I came back. And uh, I showed up at seven o'clock in the morning. It sat in my car till nine. Went in, introduced myself. They said, "Take the seat in the back. You're going to be selling residential real estate." They everybody left at eleven for lunch. Came back at two and left at four. And I'm thinking, this is probably not my style, uh, just the way I'm made up. But I was there six months, and uh, history really says the rest. I, I then went downtown and opened up my own business. Um, you and Neil Armstrong have something in common. We do. We do. In fact, uh, three days ago on Saturday, July 20th, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. At the same time, 50 years ago, the exact same time, I made my first carrier qualification in a T2 jet, a jet trainer. And I get done, and I was watching them land on the moon. I said, what's the big deal? Mine's a bigger deal than that. <laughs> I'm sure everybody on the 
ship agreed with you. Um, going back to the Bolus Company, when you started the Bolus Company, it was first known as Joseph Bolus Associates. It was located in a storefront at 89 Exchange Street. Over the years, a number of different people have claimed the first real estate deal you ever did was with them. Uh, just to set the record straight, what was your first real, real estate deal with whom? First real estate deal I ever did was uh, with Lester and Howard Noyes on a piece of real estate they owned down on Portland Street. And uh, we sold that building to A&M Transmission. And it's the site right now of the Preble Street Resource Center. When you were with the Spurwink Agency selling real estate, wasn't there a pivotal moment when you decided to switch to commercial and start your own company and didn't it have something to do with an ice cream cone? It did, Greg. Uh, kind of a funny story. I don't know if it's cute or not. But what actually happened was I had a family out showing residential real estate and understanding that I had just come back from the war, so I was a little jumpy. So uh, <laughs> we, we were driving around, and they said they had a uh, father and a mother with a, with a small child, and they said, why don't we stop for ice cream? I said, sure, it sounds great to me. So we all got ice cream, and I started off from driving down the road, and the kid in the back seat had an ice cream. And all of a sudden, I felt this ice cream going down the back of my neck. So being a little jumpy, as you might expect, I kind of went crazy and everybody started screaming at me, saying, <laughs> you've got to stop, you've got to stop. So at the end of it, uh, we parted ways and I thought to myself, maybe residential real estate isn't my forte. And three days later, I quit the Spurwink Agency, went downtown and rented a storefront at 89 Exchange Street and started uh, a commercial real estate company, which I knew nothing about, nothing about. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. And I just figured out as, as I went uh, and opened that uh, storefront. And uh, you did pretty well over the years. So far, so good. Um, you have personally been out of the brokerage side of things for some time. But when you owned it, what were some of your basic tenants which guided you uh, when you ran the company? I had one basic tenant, and that was, you don't lie. If you lie, you're gone. And the second tenant was, and I always interviewed people this way in my conference room, and I said, see out there through that door? That's the administrative part of this company. You treat that person as importantly as you treat me or anybody else. And if you don't do that, you're gone. Two principles. And I've tried to adhere to that for 44, 45 years. We've been in an economic expansion for the past 10 years or so. Uh, so some of our younger listeners have never seen a down cycle. I think you and I have been through three, three major downturns. Uh, can you give an example to our listeners of a personal example of how bad it can get? Well, I, I, I can. I mean, I can give you a number of examples, but specifically in the early 90s, um, I was approached by a local bank who had a building they wanted to sell because they were kind of in a bind. There was a lot of pressure on the banks in those days. And they said, if you buy this building, uh, we'll finance it 100% and uh, we'll pay for all the improvements, all the tenant improvements. We'll loan you the money for the tenant improvements. We want it all fixed up. And I said, it sounds like a great deal. Well, fast forward six months, that bank went out of business. The FDIC came in and took that that bank over. And then they said to me, and, and as a result, the tenant 
left. The bank left. I didn't have a tenant. Although I never, ever missed a payment on that building, the FDIC, the government came in and said, you're in default. I said, why am I in default? I, I, I've never missed a payment. They said, because you don't have a tenant. And they tried to sue me and, and call the note. And we ended up in court and we ended up settling it. But that's the kind of pressure that a developer feels when the bank feels pressure. Now, that was one merchant's plaza in Bangor? It was one merchant's plaza in Bangor, yes. And which bank was it? At the time, it was uh, Maine National Bank. Which is no longer. Which is no longer. During one of the downturns, you gave a speech, I remember this well, and talked about a hole in the dashboard and a cell phone. What, what was that all about? Well, it's, um, it, it actually it applies today. I mean, there was a time when things were so good, not unlike today, where everybody was driving around with a phone in their car. In those days, and this was probably 25 years ago, to have a phone in your car was a big deal. It was a status symbol. Exactly. It was a status symbol. People were throwing around a lot of money. And I said, you know, there are ups and downs in this business, and there may be a downside coming, and what you will see is a lot of vacant holes or a lot of holes in dashboards where those phones used to be. Because back in that day, they'd actually mount the phone to the oh, dashboard. Absolutely. As yeah. opposed to putting yeah. the phone in your pocket. Right. Um, one of the buildings you own is the 100,000 square foot office warehouse complex behind the mall. It's located at 125 John Roberts Road and is known as the Main Mall Business Building. Um, I believe you purchased the property from Julie Cohen, who developed the Main Mall. Um, how did that whole deal come about? Well, it's kind of interesting. It was probably, we, st- uh, we still own the building. Um, it was, I think in 1978, 77, two years after I got into the business and I happened to know Julie Cohen. He was an able, uh, an Annapolis graduate and fellow that I knew, although much older. And he had just finished developing the mall. And I had myself and, uh, Doug Cardani had built a building across a couple of buildings across the street, kind of service oriented business build, excuse me, building. Uh, 1,500 square feet, 10% office, and it was going pretty well. And so Julie decided to multiply that by 10 and build 100,000 feet totally on spec. And he hired me as a broker. And he about a well, maybe six months into listing, he came to me and he said, Joe, I'm in the re- I'm in the resident. I'm excuse me. I'm in the commercial mall business. He said, I have no idea what I'm doing here why don't you buy this building? I said, Julie, I don't have any money. And I didn't have any money. And he said, I'll tell you what, you go to Key Bank and see how much they'll give you for this building. I'm a director, by the way, of Key Bank. So I did go to Key Bank and I said, they gave me X amount of dollars. And he said, whatever Key Bank doesn't give you, I'll take it back in a second mortgage. And by the way, in three years, you'll pay me off. A, B, C, three years, I paid him off. So that, it, was, it was really the start of me owning real estate. And interest rates back then were pretty high. Well, I mean, they were, they were reasonable in 70, I think 70, 71, 72. They got up to 16, 17% when, yeah. the, when, the, when the prime was that high. Versus, say, 4% today for a commercial Exactly, mall. yeah. On the main mall road, there's a shopping center that uh, you and I developed known as Mallside. It's where DSW and the Guitar Center are. Mallside was originally home to service merchandise. Leo and Dennis Berry were our partners. Originally, there were three different parcels of land there. How did that whole assemblage come about? Well, first I would say, 
Dennis and Leo Berry, especially Leo, because we, we work with him and still work with him today, probably the best partner other than Greg Bolas that I've ever had. And that deal came about. They, we had to assemble three parcels, and the middle parcel belonged to them. And at the time, they were in the rigging business. And so I called Leo up, and I said, listen, I'm trying to put together a shopping center. I'd like to buy your building. He said, uh, Absolutely. He said, uh, when does the partnership start? So he, in essence, what he was saying was, I'm happy to sell you the building, but I want to be your partner. And as a result, he was our partner for over 30 years in that shopping center. Turned out to be a pretty, pretty successful shopping center, but more importantly, a great partnership. Yeah, and and it's still, he's a very good friend to this day, isn't he? He is. And Leo knew when to sell too. It was, I remember it was like around 1988 or 87, just before that particular crash. And he said, he came to us and said, I think it's time to sell the shopping center. And uh, timing couldn't have been better. One of the smartest guys I know. Um, out in Westbrook on County Road is the Colonel Westbrook Executive Park, which we worked on together. That's a very successful office, an industrial park at the corner of Spring Street and County Road. What's the background on that development? See if I can remember, long, long time ago, uh, we ended up buying 50% of the land that was available for sale out there with the idea of putting in an industrial park, which we did. And uh, what's interesting about that is we built a number of buildings out there, been fairly successful, pretty full most of the time. But what people thought, and, and it happened to me many, many times, people would come to me and say, well, you guys developed uh, Colonel Westbrook uh, Executive Park. Uh, we're going to do the same thing in Winthrop. We're going to attract business. We're going to do the same thing in Waterville. We're going to attract business. But they, the question they failed to ask was 20 years later, we still had vacant parcels, and that was a pretty good location. It's not easy. And this idea of having industrial parks drive development or in, attract tenants into your town or city isn't necessarily uh, the winning uh, formula. Yeah, you got to have people to fill those buildings. Correct. You got to have population. Uh, what advice would you give commercial brokers just getting into the business? Uh, be honest, be on the street 12 hours a day, uh, be patient, uh, and probably patience. It's a plus and it's a minus, but most importantly, have the support of your spouse. If you have to go home every night and, and have the question asked to you, did we uh, sell anything today? We have bills coming in. It just puts so much pressure, whether it's a man or a woman on that person, it's very, very hard to be, uh, successful in this business. And that particularly, that happened to somebody that I worked for me and had tremendous, tremendous pressure. I mean, at, at home, but potential as well, and just never, never could do it. So he had to quit, and he had to get a, you know, a job for that paid him a weekly salary, because hmm. there's no guarantee in this business. You pretty much eat what you kill, and it can take uh, months or even years to put together deals. It, it can take years, and then something could go wrong nine months into the deal, and you have no deal. And, and you spend a lot of time on, on deals that don't happen. So you want to have a lot of balls in the air. Correct. You know, uh, Joe, I think you would agree with this. Everybody's a great partner when a deal first starts, but you find out the true worth of a partner when there's a cash call. 
Any uh, war stories? Well, it's, a, it's interesting. Now, there's no such thing as a cash call because every, everything is a success, right? I mean, the, the banks aren't putting pressure on anybody right now. Things are good. The economy's good. But through those three recessions, it can get pretty nasty. And I will tell you, you know, years ago, my dad used to tell me, your dad too, by the way. Um, are you sure? Well, we think. Okay. We think. It's, it's, we're not absolutely sure. Uh, but he used to tell me partners are for dancing. And if you think about that, I've had a couple of experiences where early in my career on a development, I brought in somebody that was perceived as extremely wealthy. And I brought him in for one reason, in as a backup in case something bad happened. Well, something bad did happen. And I ended up bailing the entire partnership out by myself. When you call people, a lot of people for a cash call, they never answer the phone. And that happened to me on several occasions. Now, the other side of that is I had a partner, Larry Mahaney, Kevin Mahaney's dad, probably the finest person I've ever met. I called him and he said, when do you need it? How much do you need? We were equal partners and he stood up. And when crunch time comes, not everybody stands up. Larry Mahaney stood up. And, uh, of course, Leo Berry, too, was, and Dennis were great partners, too, as you mentioned earlier. No cash call. <laughs> but if we, had, what if we had one, I think they would have stepped up, don't you? Correct. Okay. Right. Um, looking into your crystal ball, and I, may, I know you don't have this much time left, but looking <laughs> into your crystal ball for the next 10 to 20 years, what do you see happening to commercial real estate uh, here in Maine and Portland in particular? You know, uh, and I'm kind of out of it to be honest, but people ask me a lot, is this a bubble? You know, with Wex going downtown, with all of these uh, vets first choice and all these condominiums being downtown, uh, going downtown, we're paying $600 uh, a million dollars for a condominium down here. The Eastern Prom, where you're paying a million dollars. So they say, is it a bubble? I don't think it is a bubble. I think Portland is so hot and will continue to be hot, especially with technology and the ability to work from anywhere. Portland's a great place to be. I'd invest in Portland in a heartbeat today. Yeah, what we're seeing is a lot of folks coming up from Boston and New York, and not right. a lot of speculation in terms of people buying condos and hoping to flip them, but actually people buying condominiums and living yeah. in them. So that's always always a good sign. Right. But that said, nothing lasts forever, and um, at some point there'll be a slowdown. I, and I agree with you. I think Portland will do okay. Well, it's, I think as an investor, as a developer, anything, and Julie Cohen, Cohen told me this years and years ago, he said, don't have too much debt. Put equity into a deal. Don't finance 100 and 120% because there's crunch time will come where you'll, that bank will be knocking on the door. You better have some cash and you better have some equity into the deal. Right. Good advice. Um, what do you see as Portland's greatest strengths right now, but also some hindrances to further development? I think one of the greatest strengths is location. Uh, as you just mentioned, it's close to Boston. It's on the water, 45 minutes to skiing. If you can make a living in this city, why wouldn't you want to be here? Uh, one of the downsides is that it's a very limited area. I mean, if you go north of Portland, it's very, very difficult uh, to invest and to get a, a decent return. Yeah, there's really Portland and then there's the rest of the state. With the exception of Waterville, where Colby College is making a huge, 
difference downtown. And is your opinion shaped in any form or manner by the fact that you went to Colby and did graduate, barely, but did graduate, and then were, was chairman of the board of the trustees? No, I don't think it's influenced by that at all, Greg, okay. no. other than the fact that I'm chairman of the uh, committee of downtown Waterville. <laughs> Actually, let's talk about Waterville a little yeah. bit. Um, I mean, when you went to college there, it was, it was kind of a wasteland, right? Well, not exactly. I mean, Hathaway shirt was there. All the mills were producing. It was a vibrant town. It really was. What happened was the mills went out of business. Hathaway went out of business. All of a sudden, Main Street, there was nothing on Main Street. And we've always at Colby under David Green's leadership, we've always believed that you have to have a healthy downtown to have a healthy college. It's all one, part of part of the same equation. And as a result, Dave, under David's leadership, and this guy should be president of the United States, under his leadership, we probably have well over $100 million invested in downtown. We just renovated a 50,000-square-foot office building. We put in a brand-new 220-suite uh, 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 dormitory. We've got a new hotel we broke ground on last week. Uh, we're bringing a lot of private investment into the city. We're going to do a contemporary art museum right on Main Street downtown. Mm -hmm. So in two years, I think David's vision and the college vision is going to be uh, pretty much fulfilled. And is the idea to, through your Colby's investments, that other private or private individuals will come in and invest in other buildings and keep the ball rolling? It's happening now. It's happening as we speak. Well, let's talk about some of your uh, employees over the years. You know, Wendy McLaughlin. Well, Wendy, uh, my first secretary was part-time when I opened up on Exchange Street. And I'll never forget, because in those days, when I first moved into Exchange Street, I was a first-floor storefront. So on Saturday mornings, I, I would clean my own windows on, on Exchange Street, and I had to balance on the ledge. And the biggest real estate name in Portland and greater Portland at that time was a guy named Arthur Snyder. And he drove around in a Rolls, I can talk like this because he's passed away, but he uh, drove around in a Rolls Royce in Portland, Maine in 1975 with the license plate Snyder on it, right? So he was in a big, big, imposing individual. So one day, Saturday morning, I'm balancing on the ledge, <clears throat> cleaning the window, and I see this big, the shadow of this big guy in back of me. And he looks up and he says, hey, kid, he goes, one thing, this is a whore's business. And he turns around and walks away. I fell <laughs> off the ledge, scared me to death. True story. And he was a competitor at that time, right? He was the guy. He was the guy. And then Wendy joined you. Well, I, I, I needed somebody to uh, help me a little. So I hired a part-time secretary who uh, was probably, I see a lot of people a uh, very, very bright. She was outstanding. And she, she ended up working for 20 years uh, as my secretary, now called an administrative assistant. And she left after 20 years. What, she just couldn't take it anymore? Or? No, I, I think that's about the time you joined the business. Okay. Well, there there uh, would be a correlation there. It might be a correlation. No, she, uh, her husband was a federal probation officer. And they just decided, he was retiring. And so she decided to retire and they went to Florida. And I still see her once a year down there. Great, great woman. 
And you've had some great partners over the years in the firm, back when you were in the brokerage company, myself, Dan Greenstein, Tony McDonald. Um, any thoughts on the partners? No, no comment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll, leave it, we'll leave it at that. Well, Greg, thank you for uh, having me here today. I really enjoyed it. As did I. That's it for the Bolus Beat this week. <laughs> Special thanks to Joe Bolus for being my guest. Um, you can learn more about Joe and Bolus Asset Management on a website at uh, boluspm.com or Facebook by searching for Bolus Asset Management. I'd like to thank you for listening today. And if you'd like to learn more about the Bolus Company, please be sure to visit us at www.bolus.com. You can find us at the Bolus Company on Facebook and LinkedIn and at The Bolus Co. on Instagram and Twitter. And lastly, if you want to know the secret to owning real estate, it's pretty simple. Just be sure to outlive your debt. <laughs>